Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to Soma's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at soma.church. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at soma.church. Church. Enjoy the message. All right, we've been in this series called All In, and just like normal, I got some scripture to throw at you today, so grab those little note cards, whatever you take notes with, phone, and grab your Bibles. Ephesians 1, 17, 18 is kind of our theme verse for this series, and in Ephesians 1, Paul, he has this prayer for the church in Ephesus, and we said, hey, this is God's prayer for us as well as we follow him. And Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the, the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. And so Paul says, listen, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's saying, I wish you could see what I could see. Like, I just wish you could see it's so important for you to have a vision for the life that God's called you to. The Bible tells us this elsewhere in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, Where there's no vision, people perish. People cast off restraint. People give up if there's no real, like, vision for your life. And so um, the, the message version says it this way. If people can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they're most blessed. And so that's our whole job. God, what's the direction that you have for my life? Give us over to clarity. Give us over to what Paul says, this spirit of wisdom and revelation, this knowing what you want for my life, not what I want for myself. And so everything for us as a church is about this. We really see ourselves not as an organization or like a thing to just kind of get together or have events or whatever. We want to be a vehicle for people to experience God more. We want you to be able to find and follow Jesus. And we see four primary steps, next steps that we all need to take. We talked about this last week, but really our mission as a church is we want as many people as possible to know God so they can find freedom, discover their purpose, and they can make a difference. As a matter of fact, if y'all do me a favor, let's say these out loud. Uh, And so just we're going to say them out loud together. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. One more time so it sinks. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. That's what we're about. And everything that we do as a church really fits inside of that mission that God has for us. Again, we see it in Ephesians 1. It shows up all kinds of places in Scripture. It's not my vision. It's not, our, you know, it's not anything that we cooked up. It's what God's had from us for, for his people from the beginning of time. And so we all have a next step. We talked about this last week. And uh, as we talk about knowing God and finding freedom and discovering our purpose and making a difference, the tendency can be if you've been in church for a while or if you've been in a relationship with Jesus for a while, you look at that and you go, I already done all that. I'm done. (laughs) Right. Uh, Like Sundays and quiet time. I'm good there. I serve. We give whatever. I've done the group thing like we're, we're good on all that. And the thought is that there's some kind of ceiling, some kind of cap in experiencing experiencing him. But there's not. So Paul tells us, hey, I wish you could know him better. You know him, cool. I wish you could know him better. 
And, and there's just more freedom. There's more purpose. There's more making a difference on the other side of just being led by him. And so if you're already in a relationship with Jesus, here's the next step for you is just helping other people get in relationship with Jesus. And, and, and you will come alive in your knowledge of him and your relationship with him when you lead someone to Christ in a way that you never did when you were just kind of doing it in isolation. But when you share your testimony and you lead somebody else to Jesus, now it's on you in a way that it wasn't before. If you've ever had that moment, I promise you. So, and there's plenty of people too. There's like billions of them, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, and not all of them are, are about this. So like, I mean, there's plenty of work to be done and there's no cap on what God wants for you. And as you know him better, you'll see some things in your life because you thought like, I already dealt with all my stuff. I'm good, dealt with all my stuff. And then the Holy Spirit just revealed to you by his word. And again, he'll give you application for what he's already said. He'll just say, you know what? Maybe you need to, maybe you need to work on that a little bit. And you're like, you know what? I need, I need more. I need more freedom so that I can experience more purpose and then ultimately be a part of making a difference. That's what we're about as a church. And this week we're covering what I, what I think is the most important thing that we can cover in this series, mainly because it's a catalyst for all the other parts of the vision, all the other parts of the mission that we have as a church. And that's no God. So you can't really experience deliverance or the call on your life in the way that he wants you to experience it or just feel, be fulfilled and being a part of what he's doing in Big C Church if you don't start by having a relationship with him. It's all about a relationship. When Jesus talks about having a relationship with God, the word, the word that he used is no. When the apostle Paul talks about being in right relationship with God, the word that he uses is No. In the original Greek language, we mentioned this last week, but the original word is gnosko. Everybody say gnosko. Gnosko. This is an intimate knowledge, to know intimately. And it's a Jewish idiom, really just to be polite, to talk about the relationship between a husband and a wife. So when Adam knew Eve, they conceived. You know what I'm saying? And so it speaks to intimacy, and it speaks to a knowing that relationship that marriage relationship that God's designed, but even more intimacy that he desires for me and you. He created you. He knows you better than anybody knows you, but he desires for you to know him in an intimate way. Matthew 7 says this. Uh, we, we referenced this last week as well, but Matthew 7, Jesus, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Never knew you. We never had a relationship. Never spent time. We never talked. We never, there was no relationship there. You did religious activity. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. God isn't looking for religion He's looking for relationships. I don't know if you, we, we got to figure this out in the church. He doesn't need you to do a thing. Like, he's good. He's God. Like, what he desires is more for you. Not from you. He wants more for you. He's not looking for religious expression. He's looking for a relationship. And all of us get to stand before God one day. The scripture says that every single person doesn't matter, small or great, he's a respecter of no persons is what the Bible says. Doesn't matter who your mom and dad are, doesn't matter what your resume is, how much money's in your bank account, where you live, he does not care. So it's just like all of us get to stand in front of him one day and, and we get our day in court. And it's that moment where the question is asked, why should you step into eternity? Why should, be, why should you 
uh, be allowed. And it's not based on, man, look at what all the awesome things that I did. I started a foundation. It's like, nobody cares. He's like, did you have a relationship through my son? Like, did you, did you have a relationship? And so we, we get to stand before him. And we say, because I met and I gave my life over to Jesus. He's my God. He's my savior. He tells me to call him friend. I love Jesus, but only because he loved me first. That's why I'm in. Not because I'm good. Not because I'm that smart. Not because if we're graded on a curve, I was like a B minus. Like not just because of Jesus. That's the only reason why I'm in. And there's a passage in Matthew that Jesus helps to drive home this point. And he's teaching through a parable per usual. And Jesus says this about knowing him in Matthew 25, 1 through 12. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. And so five bring lamps, but nothing to light the lamps with. Kind of crazy. Anyway, but, um, and we judge them. But sometimes, how many of y'all know somebody who loves to drive their car like on E? Like they're on empty. You know what I mean? How many of y'all show up back in the day? This is me back in the day in school. Show up for school. I'll be like, yo, can I, get a piece of, can I get a piece of paper? Yo, can I get a pencil? Can I get a stick of gum? You know what I mean? Like I, that guy. Anyway, and then so he goes on. He says, and as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. All of them fell asleep. At midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. He's here. Right. And then and come out to meet him. And all the virgins rose, trimmed their their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, yo, give us some of your oil. Uh, our lamps are going out. We didn't bring any lamp. But the wise answered, you are crazy. You better go buy some since there will be there. There's not going to be enough for you and for us. Go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were gone to buy some bridegroom came, those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut afterward. The other virgins came also saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I do not know you. I used to read this passage of scripture when I was growing up and I was like, duh, because they're not ready, not prepared. Big dummies, get some oil, get it together. Don't fall asleep. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you, know, you, you, you know, you should be ready. Uh, that was the thought. But what, what Jesus says in that moment isn't you didn't have it together you weren't prepared. He doesn't say any of that. He just says, I didn't know you. We had no relationship. And so at Soma, I don't want us to be known as a religious people or an institution, an organization. I want us to be known as a people who are in love with a living God, a people who know God and who are known by God. And then we navigate life in a relationship, the context of a relationship. And so here the question is like, cool, you sold me. We need a relationship with God. How do I know if I don't have one, like, how do I know? Can how can I discern where I'm at in my walk? Because I'm, I feel some anxiety around that, feel some tension around that. If I'm really in right relationship, I don't want the moment where I stand in front of him one day and he's like, you did some awesome stuff. I didn't know you. Right. So what are some what are some key indicators? And these aren't exhaustive, but I think these are helpful. One is a sense of powerlessness. Really just like a sense of hopeless. You're, you just feel hopeless. You feel overwhelmed by your own personal lack of strength and lack of power because, again, that's what you're primarily riding off of, your own effort. And so it's exhausting. You can feel, you can feel powerless in that place. And the Scripture tells us that a, we're supposed to have a personal experience. If we know God, we know his power. If you've ever been, if, if, you've ever, if you're in relationship with Jesus, 
and you pray to God and you act, it's when you come to the end of yourself and then all of a sudden God, there's provision that you couldn't get credit for. There's opportunities that you definitely couldn't get credit for. They're like, you're good. You're not that good. That's crazy. Right. Or there's just things that you experience breakthrough. Again, you pray God answers those prayers or God shows up in your life or, or even things that you didn't even think to pray for, but he just showed up in your life and his power is on display. Little things like when you when you were this person and now you mature in Christ and now all of a sudden you're given over to a heart and a perspective for others. You love others in a different way. And so you're able to forgive. And you're like, dang, 10 years ago, me would not have forgiven that offense. But now, like I'm brought to a place of maturity in my walk with Christ where I'm able to pick up the phone, call, reconcile. If it's not reconciliation, just forgive the, what was said, what was done, what was, you know, and, and that's God. Honestly, that's God and that's power. There's power that God has for us in Christ. And, but maybe it's not powerless. Maybe you don't feel powerless. Maybe you, maybe you just feel frustrated by trying to do good things. So frustration to try to do good things is another indicator, again, because you're just trying to do it in your own strength, and it's just hard to be good all the time, right? It just is. And so, um, like, we're trying to be obedient to let the Scripture point us towards the truth and to faithfully follow Jesus, but we're doing it in our flesh and not by his strength. The Bible is incredibly difficult uh, when you're in relationship with Jesus, so much more so when you're not in relationship with Jesus, (laughs) Right. And so it's simple, but it's hard. And his commands, once we're in Christ and once we begin a relationship with him, the commands that were once considered burdensome are no longer considered burdensome. And that he begins to give you over. We talked about this before. He begins to give you over to a new desire. So he he begins to get you'll read that same passage as he gives me over to my desires. But no, he begins to give you the desires that he wants for your life. And you begin to follow in those. This is the way 1 John 5, 2 through 3 says it. This is how we know that we love the children of God, each other, by loving God, carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. We get to a place when we're in a relationship with Jesus where now the things that I used to think was, man, I got to do that. Ah, oh, I can't do that. Like, you know, it began, what was once burdensome, now all of a sudden, because we're in a relationship, I desire what he wants for me. The thing God wants for you becomes what you want for yourself when you love him and you desire to grow in a relationship. And so if it's not a sense of powerlessness, if it's not a frustration to try to do good things, it could be envying others who seem to be closer to God than you are. You look at other people's walk, you look at other people's lives, and you go... Like you're just like you're you're like, dang, they pray and like he talks back and it's like, I, you know, like you're you're envious of what other people have. And it could be an indication that you don't have what they have. And so I'm, and, and it's not necessarily that's the case, but it could be Philippians 310. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to gnosko Christ. I want to experience all that he has for me, experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And and I want to say this. Um, don't spend your time following Jesus like staring at everybody else and where they're at in their walk. This is the Matthew 7 log and spec. Don't focus on what other garbage that people are dealing with, frustration, sin, brokenness. You got plenty yourself. You don't need like, take, take that log out of your eye before you try and take that speck out of somebody else's eye, right? So the whole idea is if I'm focused on my personal walk with Christ, my relationship with him, 
again, the, the Holy Spirit will just lead me, show me some things, some areas of growth. And so we can't find freedom, discover our purpose, and make a difference unless we know him. We got to start there. Jesus wants you to experience resurrection by way of his resurrection. He wants you to have a fulfilled life. He wants you to shake off the old dead way of life and step into eternal life full of love. And he wants you to see God again as a heavenly father who wants great things for his kids. This is the reason why Jesus says, hey, when you pray, pray to God as if you're praying to your father, because you are. And if you have kids, you, you know what it's like to have kids and be like, or if you don't have kids, you are a kid. And you know what it's like to be a kid. But the whole idea is like mom and dad just want more for their children. Like my kids will, and yours too, do dumb junk, say dumb junk, just like whatever. You still love them. Like, I still love you. You know what I mean? Like, like it doesn't matter what they do. Like you're still going to love them, still going to be there for them. And again, you're trying to help them uh, grow and mature even more so for God because you're human. Like in my flesh, sometimes I'm like, bro, I'm about to, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm about to pop off in here. Like I'm, I'm getting a little frustrated, getting a little angry, get like get to the corner. Like I'm about to give you consequence. Like I'm getting in my flesh. And but, but how much more for God, our Father who loves us? And uh, Jesus says, hey, I want you to view Him that way. And so, sense of powerlessness and frustration, trying to do good things, envying others, those can be indications. Hey, maybe I'm not in a relationship with God, maybe I'm just doing religious activity. Here's how we can get in right relationship. There's three things. The first thing is love him because he loved me first. So you fall in love with God only by realizing how much he loves you. And too many people think that God's waiting for you to behave yourself before he'll accept you. But I'm here to tell you, you cannot afford to try and get your act together to get to God. You got to get to God so you can get your act together. That's the order of that. Right. So it's like what we're building as a church is like a come as you are. And he ain't going to leave you that way. That's that kind of, that's that mindset. Like, hey, bring all bring all your past and your baggage and your brokenness. And we've all got our own like each of us have things that we need to, to grow in maturity in Christ. But we get closer to God so that he can begin to work on our hearts, help us to experience deliverance and, and the purposes on the other side. And even in your mess and your brokenness, the thing that you did this week, maybe even the thing you did on the drive here, don't look at your spouse, maybe even the thing that you said, right? If Jesus had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. I hope I get to heaven and Jesus has a massive refrigerator. And he's just like, I did actually have a refrigerator. It's like, it's like everybody's pictures on it. It'd be so dope. But anyway, but, but, but he loves you. He's thinking about you right now. The Bible tells us he's interceding for you right now in this moment. Like he's thinking about you right now. And so he doesn't want more works. He doesn't want you to try and be good. He just wants you. That's what he wants. And then, and then in a relationship and in experiencing more of him, all of a sudden you begin to want more of what he wants for you. But it's not about trying to be good enough to be in right relationship with God. Uh, he, wants, he wants you so much. Even before you chose him, Christ chose you. Before you accepted him, he laid himself out on a cross and he took nails in his hands and his feet to pay for our sin. Uh, and uh, what we were supposed to pay for ourselves and atone for ourselves. Nobody loves you that much to pick up the tab the way that he picked up the tab. Your mama loves you. Your mama loves you, more than likely. Right. She loves you and you're and, 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 you know, who you're married to and your kids. And there's some people who love you. Not that much. Not that much. Nobody loves you like he does. 
And so while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we were well-behaved, not when you were kind, not when you chose Christ. He chose you before <laughs> you chose him. And, and greater love has no man than this, than the one that lays down his life for his friends. And, and Jesus calls you his friend. You're not a project. He's not like got some kind of celestial, like, you know, chart. And he's like, all right, cool. Next. You know, it's like he's not, he's like, he's calling you by name. He's, you're, you're not a project. You're not servants. You're not slaves. He loved us and he calls us friends. And so we love him and, and only in response to what he's done for us. And as we love him, here's our second point. It looks like pursuit, pursuing him with all my heart. How do, I, how do I establish and further a relationship with him? I realized how much I'm loved. Second thing, I just lean in and I begin to pursue. In scripture, he says, hey, ask and I'm going to answer. Seek and you're going to find. Knock, I'm going to open up the door. Like I'm literally waiting on you. Lean in. Draw close to me. I'll draw close to you. We'll do this relationship thing, but you got like, to take, take a step. You got to take a step of faith. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you seek me, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. With all of your heart. Not some of it. Not like most of it. Like everything that you go all in. And some of us need to be challenged to go all in. What would it look like if this was the year that you decided to not do some of it, but to do all of it? Just put your full weight on it. Just like, all right, Lord, I'm going to put my full weight. That stuff I ain't. Stuff I ain't dealt with, stuff I haven't addressed, things I haven't had faith for, things I haven't trusted you with, relationships or opportunity or just like stuff in my life that I know you've been speaking to me about, but I just haven't gone all in. What if I went all in? And so here's my encouragement. Here's my ask for everybody who's here. As a church, again, our whole, our whole job is to be a vehicle to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Give us some time. Give us a year. Give us a year for you to lean in, put your full weight on it, take next steps, going all in. Give us the opportunity to help you in your pursuit. Uh, and so, and, you know, we're doing the things, basically taking the next steps that we're talking about as a church. What would it look like to be in a close relationship with Jesus? What would it look like for me to actually pray? What would it look like for me to learn how to read scripture and apply it to my life? What would it look like for me to be in biblical community? What would it look like for me to exercise my gifts that God's given me to help others, not just myself? What would it look like for me to exercise generosity? What would it look like? Take a next step in following him. And listen, if after a year, if you don't experience life change, if you don't experience breakthrough, if you don't experience more of Jesus after a year, you could quit this church. I will follow you to whatever church you go to. We will just shut this mug down. I will, we will merge, right? So if you actually do the thing, if you do it and you go all in, you're like, bro, it doesn't work at all. Like I did every, you know, then, then I promise you I'll quit. So, but let's be fully alive and fully known and fully loved and experience the resurrection that God's promised us. Because again, these aren't, this isn't my idea. This isn't our idea as a church. This is just God's word. This is what he promises for you in his word. A huge part of pursuing God and having this relationship with God through Jesus is in just walking and talking, just spending time. You just got to spend some time with him. Like you, you, need, you need to talk to him and you need to let him talk to you. And he speaks through his word, but also by his spirit, he'll give you application for what he's already said in his word. And it's not just a, it's not real cold, dead, 
he wrote a book one time, and you can use it as kind of like a, a life instruction manual, and he just doesn't speak anymore. Some people teach that, which is super sad to me. And I'm not calling him. Like, I love the Big C Church, everybody. But it's just so weird to invite people into a personal relationship and be like, but also he doesn't speak anymore. So dumb. So it's like, it's like no, he does, actually. tell Because there's things that you need to navigate, like, who do I marry? Like, where's that at? Where is it? Which one is that in? All right. So, like, what, what job do I take? Or like he will speak, he'll give you direction for your life. Again, you filter all that through what he's already said. But sometimes the Holy Spirit's just like, yo, walk across that room and like encourage that person. You're not going to, that's not in the text, right? So he's still speaking. And it's kind of like, you know, for those of you that have ever put together, if you've ever had the privilege, you know, to put together a basketball goal or a dollhouse or Ikea furniture. There's an instruction manual, right? And, uh, and if you're like me, you're like, I got this. I don't need an instruction manual, right? <laughs> and so, but how much more enjoyable is the experience if instead of just an instruction manual, you have someone there telling you what to do? That's what he's after. He's like, yeah, I've already said everything, but I'm literally going to help you put it together. Because, <laughs> I mean... Dollhouses are the worst. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm going to help you put it together. Like, I'm going I'm to help you with this. And so I'll, Jesus says, I'm not leaving you as orphans, but when I leave, I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send an advocate. He's going to guide you in all things. This is, what, like, this is what God sends us. And so here's what Dallas Willard says about being in relationship with God and, and knowing God. I love this quote. Dallas Willard said, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do is to tell people that they could have a personal relationship with God. Yeah, you can have a personal relationship. Also, he doesn't speak anymore. Like, it's insane. So God still speaks, and he wants you to pursue a relationship with him because a relationship with God is our highest priority, and, and he wants you to depend on him. You were actually created and wired to just listen to his voice and be led by his voice. This is like all the way back in Genesis 3. This is how it starts. So Genesis 3.8 is this sad passage of Scripture where God has created everything, and it's good, even to the point it's very good. He's looking at the landscape. Adam and Eve have been commissioned. Hey, I want you to subdue. I want you to reign. I want you to flourish. I want you, I'm giving you all of this for your enjoyment. Hey, there's the tree of life. You can eat of any tree you want, just not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Genesis 3 Sin enters the picture, brokenness enters the picture, selfishness enters the picture, idolatry enters the picture. They eat what they're not supposed to eat of, and immediately the tree of knowledge of good and evil, now there's an awareness of what is good and what is not good, whereas before they just lived in healthy naivety. They were just like, whatever, like we're naked and we didn't know it. Now all of a sudden they know everything, and so God shows up, cool of the day, walking, he's ready to spend time. His whole agenda in Genesis 3, he's just coming to hang out. He's just coming to walk and talk. Hey, Adam, where are you? We hid. And, it, and it's so sad. Adam says, we heard your voice. So we hid. Can you imagine what that moment was like for God who created everything? And he's like, hey, we're afraid of you. And sin is what makes them afraid of the voice of God. And now there's an awareness of what's been done wrong and, and, and what's good and what's evil. And so 
when, when God created humanity, he didn't create them by saying, here's a book, figure it out. Have, good luck. He didn't do that. He said, I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to have a relationship with you. And when man sinned, what was lost was open communion and right relationship with God. That's what's lost in that moment. God is walking and talking with Adam and Eve in the garden. And then in order to redeem all that we lost, God sends Jesus so that we can walk and talk with God again in the garden. This is the Bible. New heaven, new earth, new creation. That's what we're going to (laughs) do. We'll walk and talk in the garden. So to hear the voice of God and, and not be afraid is what he wants for us. He wants, the, he wants the moment where you experience the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, go this direction, don't go that direction. He's giving you some guidance for your life, and you're not afraid of it, but you're, like, excited to hear from him, and you're talking back, and you're having a conversation. And so you and I, we can know things about God, which plenty of people do. We can know things about God, or we can know God. And the way to get to know God to know his voice versus all the other competing voices, and there are many, is to spend time with him. That's how we get to know him. That's how you get to know people in your life. Every relationship that you have, the more time you spend, the more you recognize the voice of those you love. And so it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who it is. If it's your spouse, your best friend, your roommate, your mom, whoever. When they call, you don't have to say, hey, it's mom. Uh, I drive an Odyssey. I live in the master bedroom. I do your laundry sometimes. I cook. Like, you don't have to give context. You're just like, hey. And your kid's like, what's up, mom? Like, they know because they spend time with you. And so that's what it's like to have this intimacy. That's what God desires for us. We mentioned Genesis 3. Uh, If you remember, when God created everything, he commissioned Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. He said there's two trees in the garden. Again, tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, he says, I don't want you to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's the one I don't want you to take part in. That's, of course, the one that they, they ate the fruit from. But God never designed for us to live life by choosing between good and evil. He only designed for us to live life by hearing his voice. That's how he designed it. And so he said, Adam and Eve, you can eat of every tree except this one. But he told them that. So he said, hey, here's, here's the rules. And then he spoke what, what the play was, and then they didn't listen to what he said. <laughs> and so he, but he told them. And so it started with his voice, and he designed this life that we would be led by his voice. The idea was never for us to have to judge if this is good or if this is bad. How many times in a day do you weigh, is this good or this bad? I don't know if this is God. I don't know if this is the right thing to say. I don't know if this is the right thing to do. I don't know if it's like we're spending so much time in our own strength and our own effort and in our flesh going, okay, if we're grading on a curve, okay, cool. Like, I feel like, um, I feel like I'd say this, or, you know, am I going to be popular if I do this or what would other people think or whatever my comfort, but maybe, but instead of just seeing what everybody else is doing, is it good or is it bad? Instead of saying, Hey God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And again, some of the things he's already like told us. So like an an acknowledgement towards, hey, there's plenty in here that he's already spoken to. But again, the Holy Spirit will just remind you in that moment, hey, here's what I said. Uh, but sometimes it's just like not as it, it, sometimes it's just more fringe or it's just more like a specific, like a specific situation that you're trying to navigate. But again, instead of you trying to do it in your own strength, is this good or this bad? Going, hey, what do you want me to do? 
How do you want me? Where do you want me to go? Who do you? I mean, there's really important decisions that we're making, and he wants to make those alongside of you. He wants to be in relationship. Because you can make, if you're looking at two different decisions, you're going, this is a good decision or this is a bad decision. You can make what is on paper a good decision, but it might not be a God decision. Like, everybody's like, yeah, of course that makes sense. Logically, that's the answer. But sometimes God just tells, like, Abraham, walk in that direction. Where are we going? I'll show you. Right? So sometimes he just tells you to do some things. It's like, are you discerning? Can you, can you tell when he calls Oh, hey, God. Yeah. Hey, could you tell it's his voice? Because there's a lot of voices competing for our attention. We have to have a relationship with him. We have to pursue him. And so, you know, uh, a lot of people, when we're, when we're making discerning decisions, um, you know, we have to ask, how do we know the difference between what is good and what is bad? And a lot of people will say, what's my conscience? My conscience will tell me. As a matter of fact, when sin enters the picture, again, an acknowledgement of now I know the difference between good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now I have to discern and I have to make decisions based on what is good or what is bad. Instead of being led by his voice, now I have to do that in my own strength. But your conscience isn't designed for that. The voice of God is what leads you to life, not your ability to make a good or bad decision. Your conscience brings you to God is what the Bible tells us. He never intended you to live by your conscience. Hebrew tells us that if our conscience isn't cleansed by the blood of the lamb, then you just serve God by dead works. Here's what it says in Hebrews 9:14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? So it's being in right relationship with him that gives you over to a clear conscience that just makes you go, okay, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be led by his voice. And as long as we have a guilty conscience, you'll try and do something to get God's favor instead of going to God in prayer, receiving God's grace and forgiveness. And then you can serve God by his voice because of this relationship, not because of your works, not because of your ability to be good enough because you won't. And again, it's, it'll wear you out. It's frustrating but, but when you think about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, one man's sin is, it is, is what allowed for us to be, begin to just kind of live by our own conscience. And so we begin, you even heard this phrase. People will say, I, I, ever, I, I don't want to do anything that would violate my conscience. And I would say, sure, God wants you to have a good conscience, a clean conscience, a pure conscience. But sometimes like you're just boxing God into your conscience which I don't know about you, but my conscience is not that great. So it's like, I mean, just like, I mean, it's good, but it's like not God. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not going to box God into my conscience. Lord, I can't do that. That's against my conscience. It's like, that's insane. So instead of, hey, God, would you tell me what is life? Would you lead me in the way of life? And sometimes it's not even what other people would expect or what I would expect. But would you give me over to the courage of conviction to be able to be led in that, to be able to follow you into the way of life by your spirit? And so God wants us in that place. And um, he, he wants us to pursue him. And he wants us to have, again, you have every relationship in your life that's robust. If you have a good one, you invest time. You spend time. You talk. There's a level of vulnerability probably with those relationships that you don't have with other ones. You share dreams and 
hurts and brokenness and hard things and the good and the bad and the ugly? Who are those people that you call, you have a handful, that you call when everything falls apart? And what God desires for you more than anything is for him to be first. Pursue him. And he's like, I wish they would just talk to me. Like, I got, I got an angle on the situation. I got resources. Like, I'm, I'm ready to, like, help step in, give you peace, give you over to a place of forgiveness. And so here's some great homework for us this week. If you don't uh, currently have a flow where you spend time with God, start with this. Just five minutes in the Word, five minutes in worship, five minutes in prayer. It's a low bar. Some of you are like, oh, I blew way past that. Start here. Just be consistent in, I'm just going to spend some time into devotion Maybe, maybe one year Bible or you pick your lane, start a U version or just spend some time in scripture, open up his word and just spend some time. Worship will change the game because some of us are doing this really good, but some of us need like a ship. Some of us just need to worship. You just start your day off worship. What's your jam? Look, find it at Spotify, Apple music, hit one of the team up. Hey, what song was that? Like, and just spend some time in worship before the day starts and then prayer. God, you have already seen my day. You've already seen all the opportunities that I have to put you on display, to share you, to encourage other people. God, would you just give me over to life? Would you give me over to a place where I'm speaking life over people? I'm encouragement to people. Help me to be on today.